just imagine this is your life. You say to your, your employees, we're going to be open Monday. Okay, I know it's a holiday, but we've got, uh, you know, we've got a release coming up, software release. We're going to be open Monday. A company's going to make this up to you. Uh, we'll have extra day off of double day off. Next time we have a holiday, we'll double that up and make sure you get extra time. If this is a vacation day for you, we're going to pay you back double on that. So, hey, I'm going to be working too. So I'll see you guys Monday. And again, we're going to make these days up and then some. And this is a team thing. This is an important shipment day, ship day. Then you come in the office Monday and there's a memo from the receptionist. And she sent out a memo over the weekend saying, the office is closed Monday. Does she still work for you? Does she? Because this is the situation with the guy to whom we're referred to as president. Also in the 60 Minutes interview said that the pandemic is over. There's been quite a bit of pushback to that uh, statement by the president. Where is he today on that? So uh, just to step back for a second, what we saw during that interview. Just to step back a second. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Thank you to Bulwark Capital Management at KnowYourRiskRadio.com, the Chief Investment Officer thereof, my brother Zach Abraham, with us from the very beginning, stewarding money for people. The focus, maniacal focus on risk management. Oh, remember this, I don't want to... Independent fact checkers have determined that this program may expose listeners to extremist views and ideas. If you feel you may have been radicalized by this program, free resources are available including the Bible, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution and Bill of Rights and a junior high science book to remind you boys have penises and girls have vaginas. Thank you, spokes lawyer. It's our spokes lawyer. Um, I've got to make a confession real quick. And first of all, thank you to all the people who are joining us for the first time uh, from the Gab community. I am so dearly want to never post again on Twitter. I use it for show research. Uh, but I would so dearly just love to jettison that. And we're working on that. And the CEO and founder of Gab was kind enough to join us in this program. I was blown away by his humility. Uh, and he posted on Gab our interview today. So if you're joining us from Gab, we're very, very thankful to have you here. Here's a confession. Man, we talk about some heavy stuff here. I mean, we're talking about spiritual warfare on, on a daily basis. And we're, we're doing the best we can to put God at the center and conservative politics at the edges. Conservative means to me, small government, big people. Because the bigger the government, the smaller the person. Uh, and the more at risk our soul is, is the government forces people to lie, etc. So we really look, I think, I mean, look through the show, the, the, the shows we do. And I think they're fairly heavy. 
because I, the confession is this, that sometimes it, it taxes me and this makes me sound weak and it makes me sound um, ungracious, not, not grateful for what we get to do together. And I'm deeply grateful for you, uh, for the support. In fact, we'll spend a lot of today talking with, uh, we're going back to some emails from people. Some significant disagreements the- theologically and some requests listeners have that I take a leadership position and use what they perceive to be my power and just a uh, teaser, I don't have any. No one does. No one does, except that which the Father grants them. So we'll talk about that. But every so often, there's for me at least, I just I have a need for a breather to step back for a second and not be completely in spiritual, you know, warfare mode. But that's dangerous because everything is spiritual. There's no such thing as a um, there's no such thing as secular. God created everything and owns everything, including us. So there's no such thing as a secular world. But sometimes it is just utterly necessary for me to laugh at these people. I, I, can you imagine being president of the United States, except you're not? I mean, this is why the figurehead is the perfect guy because the, the, I don't know. And look, I'm not trying to be cruel. I don't find dementia funny. You know, I was with my, my beloved grandfather as, as he got dementia late in his life and, and Alzheimer's and, and it's very difficult to see a man of dignity. You know, he's, he maintained his dignity. He did that, but reduced to me having to help him clean himself in the bathroom uh, or, you know, help him remember how to put on a belt and, and in fact, put his belt on for him and, or shave him. And I saw the same thing with my mom's husband and my daughter got to see that. And so I don't find it funny but he's the perfect figurehead because I don't think he even remembers the satanic speech. Oh, say what? Red background. And uh, now it was my son, Bo. Uh, it's my dead son, Bo, did that. My, my dead son, Bo, was the devil. Or no, wait, no, I'm sorry. He was attorney general of the United States of America. And again, I'm not trying to make fun of him or, or rather not dementia, but it's this bizarre thing where everyone in the Mockingbird media is saying, normal, normal. President, 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 um, steadfast leadership, uh, quick, mentally with it. And the more often I see them say things like this, like Scott Pelley sitting there talking uh, to Joe Biden, and Joe Biden is, it says, uh, pandemic's over. Now, remember when President Trump correctly said, if you let this thing alone, if you don't lock down, if you don't go through all this insanity, this stuff is going to burn itself out. Remember when he was right about that at the very beginning instincts? uh, God gave him the instincts on that. And you remember what the media said and Mitch McConnell, uh, (laughs) I think that's just going to be over one day. (laughs) He was right. So now the figurehead says this. And you don't see you, you don't see the mockingbird media with celebratory signs. The pandemic is over. The day the war ended. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Chief amongst them, they're owned by Big Pharma, owned and operated by Big Pharma, and by BlackRock and Vanguard. And let's remember that BlackRock is Vanguard, and Vanguard is BlackRock. It's one company. And let's remember that they are also together. The, uh, the, the, the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve. It's one organism. And if you doubt me, look at the ever, ever going back and forth revolving door flow charts. 
I just, I think of the meetings these guys have, you know, the, the treasury gets together with executives um, of, of BlackRock and Vanguard and, and treasury executives and they get together and it's Scott. Hey, how is, uh, how is Tina? I haven't seen her since this morning uh, when you guys came over and hot tub with us. Is she okay? I know she stubbed her toe. Well, yeah, oh, she, she did. She did. She, she did stub her toe, but uh, uh, I was, uh, our, our wives were together at lunch uh, and I understand uh, her toes better, but I'll see you this evening. And uh, by the way, are you at Treasury? No, no, no I'm, I'm at Goldman again. Oh, I was forget Treasury or Goldman. <laughs> one and the same. One and the same. Uh, chin up, Nick, Nick. So in this, then there is the figurehead. He is making this pronouncement. Ah, pandemic ended, Scott Pelly. And Scott Pelley's interviewing this guy knowing, well, no, I can't say that because it's, it's bearing false witness. I don't know that Scott Pelley, I don't know it's a fact that, that Scott Pelley is aware that Joe Biden runs nothing. In fact, when you live in lies and not the light, when you walk in the darkness, you're going to stumble. When you separate yourself from the word of God on a continuous basis, hey, guess what? You're not going to be able to tell, you, you won't be able to tell the truth from a lie. In the words of Pink Floyd, so you think you can tell heaven from hell. Blue skies from, from, what is it? Blue skies from pain. So here's the response now. After Biden makes this pronouncement, ah, pandemic ended in uh, 1781. And it's left for a woman who has her job because she somehow has determined that she's a woman. And I think that's done. I read about this. You slaughter a goat and then scatter its entrails uh, across a picture of Harrison Ford. And if you can still see Harrison Ford's face, then you're a woman. And she also fancies herself black, and this, I don't know what the process is for that. Uh, but she is also same-sex attracted. There ends her resume. Now, in this case, at least she's not reading. Also in the 60 Minutes interview said that the pandemic is over. There's been quite a bit of pushback to that uh, statement by the president. Where is he today on that? So just to step back for a second, what we saw during that interview, uh, 60 minute interview, when he made those comments, he was walking through uh, the, the Detroit uh, car show, the halls of the Detroit car show, and he was looking around. We have to remember the last time that they had held that event was three years ago. Even as we're talking about Unga, the president's going to speak shortly, as I just mentioned, we that hasn't been held in, in person for about three Three years as well. So we are in a different time. He's been very consistent about that. And the reason why is because we are now prepared. We are now ready. We know how to deal with uh, this pandemic. It is now m more manageable. It's not as... The, just the, the assembling and, and her gathering herself. And let's remember, he was at a... Car Have you ever been to a car show? I mean, listen, do you, I mean, you may not sniff women, but he does. And car shows the great because there's the sniffing models. I don't think I used to go to a lot of car shows. I used to have to go to the Autoboat Speed Show in Spokane, Washington every year, every day, all day for 10 days. And that was for almost five years. And the first time we got into the car show for free, man, that was a gas. And then the second day, it was pretty fun. <laughs> the third day. It was not great. And we were there with my dad, God rest him, showing off our little race cars. And it, it helped our club, sure. And I got to 
meet some fascinating people, but I don't think that the models there knew they were to be sniffed. And the spokeslier there never got to. He was confused because he sniffed models. And I'm assuming he sniffed them. I, I, I didn't see the footage, but I'm assuming if there is a model near Biden and they're under the age of 20, they're sniffing. So this is just the signal. And it's time and again that this guy doesn't matter. There is a piece in American Spectator about this, and it's, it's just, it's frighteningly spot on in how many times this guy is corrected. For instance, he said it again. He said it again that uh, if China bombs uh, to Tijuana, uh, pardon me, uh, Taiwan, you know, we'll, 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 we'll defend Taiwan. The White House instantly put out tweets and announcements saying, no, the one China policy is our official policy. And in a way, it's very Dorian Gray, if you catch my meaning. That, or maybe that's not the right phrase. It's very... Um, other dimensional, because at the base of his spine, there's grift. That Biden wakes up in the morning, his eyes open, he goes, oh, I got to grift some stuff. And that's embedded in him. But also somewhere, there's like this, this small, tiny chest of sort of moral ideas. Well, look what we're doing is just you know, politics is uh, just uh, uh, it's motives and screaming at each other. And, and you know, we've got to come together. My dad grew up in uh, Delaware and he was he owned a hardware store. And so he starts with sort of some decent ideas of morality. Then it then it moves into stump speech. And then you get to China and he opens up the box and there's a little morality there. And we're going to defend Taiwan against the Chinese Communist Party. And then his team steps in and says, no, we're not. Grandpa. Now, in a sane world of media consumption, this would be a very big problem. And when 60 Minutes sat with him, they would have asked some, some pretty simple cognitive test level questions. Just simple things. Who's your chief of staff? Uh, Gene Simmons. From KISS? Oh, sorry. No, it's Scott McCaffrey. Who? See, that would be journalism. This would be a big, big event that this guy is constantly being overruled. Do you remember the Bush's brain phenomena? And I'm not here to defend George W. Bush, given what we've learned about the globalists and what he's doing with the injections and everybody needs to get shot up. And I mean, there was at one time I thought that George W. Bush was a pretty moral guy because I saw him around our troops. Where he wasn't and this. This video has never been released because back in the day when I worked in politics, before I figured the thing out, we did uh, work for the, the Bush Library. And then I got to see this um, this footage of George W. Bush with the troops, um, people who'd been injured. And I saw, honestly, this this great compassion, this admiration, um, collegial. There was no uh, putting himself above others. I got to see uh, Laura Bush, 
we had to we had to beg her to ask for money. We were trying to raise money for Africa. Now I'm very concerned about that. What did we actually put in the kids in Africa? Very concerned about that. And to try to get her to ask people to give 43 bucks, I remember her saying, "That's guys, that's a lot of money for some people. Well, A, you kind of have a construed notion that all of us are poor and, you know, eating, uh, eating wood chips. So that's not, many of us have 43 bucks, but I get it. There's this, I want to be compassionate. But do you remember when George W. Bush, it was Bush's brain, it was Dick Cheney? No one's even asking the question, who's, the, who's actually running things under the figurehead? Or, or uh, let me rephrase that, over the figurehead. Well, I kind of have an idea who is. I just refer back to the satanic speech. I just, I, I look at the fruits. You know, the Lord Jesus has said that you, you do not get good fruit from a bad tree. I am looking at every single policy that the figurehead has been caused to endorse and every single one of them is adverse to the word of God, if not in complete and utter open rebellion to the word of God. Every single policy that he has caused to endorse up to and including, we're going to stand aside when the Chinese Communist Party, you know, goes to take over Taiwan. Oh, but Ukraine, well, then that's a different story. That's very sacred because, of course, Hunter Biden has biolabs there etc. ad nauseum. Someone's running the show. Well, look, you're going to serve somebody. You're, you're, you're serving somebody now. You, people don't know this, but you're serving somebody. Well, I'm an atheist. Well, congratulations. You're serving the other side. You're, you're serving the ungodly side. And I'm not calling you a bad person, nor am I saying you're immoral. I'm not saying you're immoral. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you do bad things to people. Not at all. You know, I, I look, I'm from, I'm not from, but I spent a couple of decades in Seattle and Silicon Valley. I know a lot of atheists and they're, they're good moral people who'd never steal from you or harm you. And they're serving the other side because it's defiance to God. Then you just get this regime and it's bizarre defiance to God. And they have this problem. They have the Ron DeSantis problem. <laughs> it is such a pronounced problem for these guys. It really is. Because Ron DeSantis gets the best trick in politics, you go first. You do it too. I used to do this with socialists back in the talk radio days when we used to take a lot of phone calls. There were always, there were always leftists who thought they're going to be the ones, they're going to be the ones who are going to get you. They're going to be the ones who nail you to the wall. And we would get these calls when we talked about economic issues and well, Mr. I looked at your LinkedIn profile. I bet you didn't know I could find your LinkedIn profile. I looked at your LinkedIn profile, Mr. Microsoft executive, Mr. Startup CEO. Well, I guess you've got yours. You've got yours until other people don't get to, they don't get to have theirs. That's why you're not, that's why you don't want the welfare to go up. And okay, all right, all right, all right. Got it. You feel like I have a lot of money. I don't, but you feel like I do. And you feel like it was handed to me. It wasn't. I don't have a college degree. I dropped out. I went in through the back door. Now I understand I did nothing. Now I understand that the Lord Jesus was taking me on a trip. Hey, let me show you some things because I have this plan for you one day where you'll step back and go, oh my gosh, this is completely immoral. What have I done? And I would just ask a very simple question. I'd say, hey, look, let's, let's do something together. You take your money and I'll distribute it to other people. So, like, how much money do you have? I have all of $20,000. Okay, look, look. 
Let's take 5,000 of yours and 15,000 of mine. Three times as much. And I will distribute our monies. Or better yet, you know what we'll do? We'll get a board. And we'll distribute our monies together. And we'll let the board do it. And never had a taker. The, the you go first thing. Or, and this was a really fun thing. You'd get people waiting on hold. This is cruel, actually. Particularly, you know, filling in a national radio for Rush Limbaugh, God rest him. And um, you get people been waiting a long time. And they're screaming at you about um, from each according to his means, or he has means each according to his needs. And they're not using those words because they know not to use those words. So they're being clever and avoiding those words. And they would just get into their argument. I go, oh, I got to put you on hold. I have to redistribute some of your call. <laughs> and somehow or another, there was this freeze, this moment. They didn't know whether to react in outrage. Uh, they didn't know whether to react with laughter. They didn't know whether to say, oh, they could not. They could not spin around cognitively enough to understand. Wait a minute. Are you, is, what am I going to do? Because he's actually... He's playing my game. They've got a Ron DeSantis problem. We'll talk about that. And then this attempt to pretend that there's also some book banning going on and a whole bunch of emails uh, from podcast family members. Oh, and yeah, Ron DeSantis. I forget that. I think I said that though. If you're new to the podcast, um, we started this podcast in November of last year. Uh, late November. And I'd made the announcement that I was going to leave live radio and that my intention was to become a pastor. And I've then realized I have a whole lot of spiritual maturity gain before I could ever be a pastor. And I'm being discipled and I'm learning what that means. I have to learn what, what, what is it to be a disciple? So when we made this announcement, the radio station for whom I worked in Seattle said a very sensical thing, leave now. They didn't say it in a rude way. They gave me a wonderful set off, send off. And, and I think I stayed there for another 60 days or so. And after that, they paid me out of my contract. And I'm not, I'm not here to say anything derisive about them, but man, I was like, wow, I'm gonna have to start this thing off. off just boom. My plan just got changed. I, I don't, I intended to do this over six months. Then friends began to step in. And one of the first to the table was Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management. Hey, I want to see if I could sponsor your podcast, become partner. And he did. And without Zach and his help, in fact, we wouldn't be in the top one half of 1% of podcast downloads. And we are. And that's even not because of Zach, it's because of the Lord and how we met. We met and got to know each other through a Christian event. I mean, I, I knew him from the radio station, etc. But then I got to know his firm. And I am fundamentally convinced that there, that there may be firms like this. I just don't know of any that are so squarely focused on areas that I think are three. Number one, stewarding money. After the way of the Lord. Number two, Risk management, <laughs> zealous, obsessive, crazy, weird focus on risk management. And if you are five to 10, maybe 15 years from retirement, it's all about risk management. It's just like being a pilot. You know, you could afford some turbulence, some pretty big time turbulence at 35,000 feet. You can drop, you know, it's not fun, but you can drop 3,000, 4,000 vertical feet and boom, and you'll be okay usually. But if you're at 500 feet, nope. 
Same thing with retirement, right? The closer you are, the bigger the risk. So there's the stewarding, there's the risk management, and then there's the truth telling. Go listen to his radio show at knowyourriskradio.com. Go back to the archives. Go try to find a time where Zach was not talking about the, what I call mobbed up, you know, uh, financial system we've allowed ourselves to get rolled into or the 0% interest rate loans or the, the, like the big, the big fraud that they undertook with the COVID lockdowns. He's been telling us this forever, which is why tactically speaking, he doesn't use the 60, 40 stock bond mix because it doesn't apply in this risky, huge inflationary environment. He's been warning us about that for a decade. Here's how you get in touch with them. And if you're five to 10 years out from retirement, I think it is absolutely vital that you get in touch with them. He's at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. If you prefer the web, you can go to knowyourriskradio.com. That's where the radio show is. You can also just get in touch with them there and they'll set up a call with you. The government, always looking out for us, wants me to share with you this incredibly important information about Bulwark Capital Management. Not their phone number, 866-779-RISK, but this. Investment advice can be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. Boom, baby, did it. This is the Ron DeSantis problem. And it's the Ron DeSantis tactic that is so brilliant. He is doing this thing like, hey, you want socialism? You go first. Oh, you like to fly people around the country. Anybody? Yes. House Democrats uh, held a news conference earlier this morning where they were condemning the migrant flights. Um, Representative Jeffries, he said, and I'm quoting him, he said, you and Governor Abbott need to stop acting like, or start acting like governors and stop acting like human traffickers. First, what is your response to that? And second, is there a second migrant flight going from Texas to uh, Delaware right now? So when people all over the fruited plain in the middle of the night, I didn't hear a peep out of those people, okay? I didn't hear a peep. I haven't heard a peep about all the people that have been told by Biden you can just come in and they're going, they're being abused by the cartels, they're drowning in the Rio Grande. You had 50 that died in some shed in Texas. I heard no outrage about any of that. Uh, I haven't heard outrage about all the fentanyl that's come across the border that's killing Americans in record numbers. I don't hear, I don't hear outrage about the criminal aliens that have gotten through and have then victimized people, not only in Florida, but all throughout the country. I didn't hear any outrage about that. The only thing I hear them getting upset about is you have 50 that end up in Martha's Vineyard. Then they get really upset. And I'm sorry. Those migrants are being treated horribly by Biden. And, and it's also, as we know, it's a political tactic. And it's one of the hallmarks of totalitarianism that the government decides where people live. And this is something that Barack Obama started with further, what is it? Uh, um, I always forget the name of that silly program. It's not silly, it's Machiavellian. Um, it's further advancing fair housing, something like that. But it's this program where they leverage federal housing dollars. Oh, you get Section 8? Oh, cool. Well, we're going to move you from the state of Illinois and you live in urban Chicago. We're going to move you to rural Iowa. But wait a minute. There's no services there. My family's here. I'm trying to get work here. I'm in job training. Yeah, we're moving you. Why? Because we need your votes. Wait, why? Let's, you think we can let the 
Republicans win these things in Iowa, we're moving you. And removing your census dollars. <laughs> what, what do you think you are? You think you're a human being? What do you think you're created by God? That's what they've been doing. And what DeSantis is doing here, if, 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 if Ron DeSantis ends up in a presidential debate with the figurehead or with Cami Harris, the things he can do to say, well, yeah, but you did it. And, and yet we reverse it. And here's something that someone on the side has got to get someone. And DeSantis is the guy to do this, or maybe president Trump is, is, is the person to do this. They're, they're obsessed with trying to convince people that books are being banned. And this is another opportunity. Make them live in the world they're creating. You know, it's, it's, I, I do like to talk about it because I, I believe God gave us a, a fantastic gift to go on national radio and say, please go to these school board meetings and read the curriculum into the record and, and show the pictures and get shut down. And they're going to say that's adult content. And that worked because people looked at that and said, wait a minute, you're not going to let me read from the book you are teaching my, from, you know, from which you're teaching my kid. This stuff works. This is Jake Tapper putting a group called Penn on. Penn exists to, to blow open the Overton window in terms of what is allowed in schools. It starts with a vicious lie. If curating is banning, then every museum on earth bans art. If curating is banning, then every public library bans. These are the same people who celebrate and in fact push. It was Oliver Darcy. One of the people who works at CNN who is, who's written the hit piece on me once. Uh, he and little Brian Stelter wrote a hit piece on me. I don't know who wrote it because they put both of their names on it. But Darcy was a guy who tried to get Alex Berenson banned from Twitter. That's censorship. We're not going to let you say that. And that's a platform that says it doesn't curate. It, that's, well, the new censor. So here's Jake Tapper starting with this lie. I don't think I can get through this whole clip because this guy is so viciously lying. Not Well, Tapper is participating in the lie, but the guy from Penn. At least 50 groups are fighting to ban books in U.S. schools. That's according to Penn, a nonprofit literary advocacy organization. A new report from Penn says these groups are fighting to ban material related to race and LGBTQ rights and critical race theory and more. Joining us now to discuss, Jonathan Friedman. He's the director of free expression and education programs at Penn America. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Your report breaks down the subject matters for the books that are currently, there, there are pushes for them to be banned. A majority of them have LGBTQ plus themes or have a protagonist of, of color. Um, explain more if you would, and, and obviously the devil's advocate argument might be to a parent out there, hey, I don't want my first grade reading anything having to do with sexuality, much less LGBTQ or heterosexual anything. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to talk about this. You know, in district after district, we've been tracking book bans, efforts to remove and restrict this and is a access state, to literature for young people. And the trends are very clear that LGBTQ books, books that touch on race and racism, or books that have any kind of sexual content, you know, whether it's a book, a young adult uh, a work of fiction that has a couple kissing or a, a book teaching a young person about puberty is on the chopping block. Yeah, and the reason that is, I'm sorry, I have to stop that guy. The reason that is, is so that people like you don't get to go on and say it's an LGB fake T thing. There's no such thing as a transgender person, LGBTQ fake T. So 
I don't want to upset listeners because it did that last week and I tried to avoid upsetting people. But there is a link in the show notes. And incidentally, we get emails a lot saying, how do we get the show notes? See, if you're new to the program, we always put the links to what we talk about so you know that we're not making stuff up. And there's links if you want to get the extended information. There is about an hour-long conversation between me and a woman who ran to be the, um, the superintendent of, of government schools in Washington State, friend of mine, a teacher, wonderful Christian lady named Maya Espinoza. She and I went together through the curricula that they were putting into the schools, the stuff that this guy wants to pretend is banning. You can still buy it. Planned Parenthood will give it to you for free because they want you to get pregnant as a young kid and get abortions. They want you to have STDs. They want you to become gender confused. You're just meat to them. You're like the band. You're just a meat puppet. So we went through that together. And I'm telling you, my, my, my hand to the, to the God Almighty, I came across a term that as a 53-year-old man, I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. A sexual term. I had no idea what it meant. And neither did Maya. Maya's younger than me. I think Maya was 28. And we're both looking at that word. And then I parsed the word and went, oh! And she said, what, what, what? And I said, separate the words. Separate the syllables. Da, 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 da. Two on one side, two on the other. She goes, oh my gosh! Oh! So there are books like Gender Queer. Because I don't want to upset you, I will tell you it's cartoon porn. Ron DeSantis, have that stuff in your pocket. I'm, I'm literally. You're in a debate with Cammie Harris or the figurehead, and they want to call you a book banner. Get the pages from Gender Queer out of your pocket like Reagan pulled out the, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Pull that out of your pocket, get it in a big, you know, unfold it, show it to the camera. This is what they're talking about. Here's another image and another image. And by the way, this depicts a grown up man teaching a young boy the uh, how to have physically dangerous sexual relations. And they're upset that they don't want you don't want your kids to see this. They think your kids should be seeing this. Make them live in the world they're creating. Make them respond to that. Have that, I don't want to say, just have the images with you on paper so they can be big. That should be the next step. Lots of emails from people. Some, some people taking me to task as is usual. Other people with great news in their personal life and their request for help. The SOTA weight loss program, SOTAweightloss.com. Um, this is a request. It's not really a request for help as much as it's an offer for help. Uh, I have lost 150 pounds of unwanted fat. And behind my blackboard, see, you know, one of the things we're waiting to do is video. That's my blackboard. And incidentally, Glenn Beck was not the first person to do a blackboard. It was a guy named, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to his name. He was a weatherman in Spokane, Washington, was the first guy to draw things on the air. He went and did national radio. I am ashamed I cannot remember his name anymore. Oh, I love that guy. So they were not the first to do that. So please, I'm not trying to be Glenn Beck. But behind my blackboard, there is a pair of pants that my daughter used to call the elephant pants. Um, well, she only called them that after I lost 150 pounds of unwanted fat. She found these. 
we were going through some memories and she wanted to see some pictures of me when I was young and I got these out and, and she found these pants and she held them up. She goes, who are these? Who, who, whose are these? I go, those are mine. She goes, no, 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 the pants. I go, no, th those are my pants. No, they're not. Yeah. And, and so I attempted to put them on and, and I said, I'm going to wear these and see what mom says. And so I put the belt on and it was like elephant legs because it was, you know, the, they were far too big. And my, my daughter laughed. You look like an elephant. Those are the elephant legs jeans. I have those and I've never forgotten those. And when I put those back on, I remember some things. I remember how utterly uncomfortable everything was. Everything. Sleeping was uncomfortable. Sitting in a chair for a long time was uncomfortable. Flying was unbearable. And no, I did not stop exercising at that point. In fact, I was super, super, super strong. And jumping was an impossibility. Hey, look, I can jump six inches. It's not just the gym stuff, though. I remember being behind a car that was spewing smog. And it was in, in ill repair. And, and my wife said, can you not smell that? I go, no. <laughs> I was not the guy to give the smell test to in the refrigerator. I couldn't smell, which meant I couldn't taste. So that meant I had to have super, super like artificially tasty food. The fat on our body is one thing, the stuff we carry, but it's the fat between our organs. I remember acid reflux. I remember going to a doctor and he gave me the purple pill. I remember thyroid pills. I don't take a purple pill. I don't take thyroid. I don't need any of that because I decided that food would be my medicine, my tasty, lovely medicine made by God. Because if food is not your medicine, medicine will be your food. The people at Soda Weight Loss, SOTAweightloss.com, they get it. They're healthcare providers by background. They started with one location in conservative Dallas, Texas, and then it was seven. And then they started to look at the numbers. And they had people coming from all over the Southeast, the South, not in the Southwest, all over to soda weight loss because they knew how to keep the fat off the body. 7,000 plus Google reviews, average 4.8 stars out of five. And they were the first big company to reach out to this podcast to say, hey, would you please introduce us to your audience? It's sodaweightloss.com. Soda stands for state of the art because they are S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. From Edward, in response, no doubt, uh, to the commentary the other day about President Trump and Bill Maher. Now, I don't spend a lot of time caring about what Bill Maher says, uh, but from time to time when he confronts people in Hollywood and he confronts them with the reality of their insanity, I find that, you know, I find that educational. Maybe I find it fun, but I also find it sort of instructive because we have people like this in our lives. Maher had said he hates Trump. He thinks he's the worst of all things you could pack into a single human body, but he gets why people vote for him because of the insanity of what the leftist portion of the party is doing and what Mitchell McConnell is happily allowing. Edward writes, I never watch, I never watch uh, Trump TV shows. I thought he was a crude, inarticulate speaker and a number one blank blank. I voted for him twice and his policies worked. The only way to explain it 
is that what I learned in my 20 years in the Marine Corps, jerky, nasty, uncouth people win wars. The good Marines were mainly jerks. As General Chesty Polar said, until you serve big time, you're not a true warrior, not a true Marine. And during an inspection at Camp Pendleton, I had enough of this. Take me to the big, where the real Marines are. All Chesty did was earn six Navy crosses, the second highest combat award. Now in 2022, I wish Donald Trump would just go away and play golf. He's too old, 75. To me, is terminal for public office. And by the way, I'm 89. <laughs> Edward, I have the feeling that uh, the good Lord has plans for you to live to be about 120. Uh, number one, man, thank you. Marine Corps, thank you for what you did and welcome home. And, uh, and number two, how come I can't be called Chesty Pendleton? I'd have TV shows and books. That's a cool name. Um, I'm not going to, on the age thing, here's the danger. The New York Times is um, launching an effort that they call a geritocracy. So it doesn't, it's not a mistake that this past week, the New York Times did journalism. Wow, look at that. They did journalism. They reported stock trades. New York Times, stock trades reported by nearly a fifth of Congress show possible conflicts. A New York Times uh, analysis found that 97 lawmakers or their family members bought or sold financial assets over a three-year span in industries that could be affected by their legislative committee work. And you look at this and go, wow, look, the New York Times is doing some journalism. But then there's this. This comes at the same time frame as they're launching their new attack on Trump. It's called the geritocracy. They want to age people out of Congress. And look, I, I, I could actually understand the theory. I can, like aging people out of driving, except it's one size fits none. Because my friend Mark, I always forget he's over 70. I was considering him like 60. Or Edward. I don't want to fight Edward. Beat me up. So it's one size fit none. It's fits none. Secondly, it's unconstitutional. But most importantly, in this time frame, it's aimed at Trump. Because older voters tend to vote for Donald Trump. So I don't necessarily agree on the, um, on the age thing. And in terms of President Trump running again, he's going to. Everything they're doing is guaranteeing that Donald Trump, Trump is going to run again. Tell him he can't have something. Go ahead. He's going to run. And DeSantis and he, I begged them to figure something out. I really do. And incidentally, they're going to indict Trump. The party, they're going to indict Trump. But they'll wait until he wins the Republican nomination. And he's the nominee, then they'll indict him. And God help this country. Want a civil war? Tell a bunch of people, you know, the guy you just voted for, he doesn't get to be president. You don't get to vote for him. He can't, even if he wins, he's not in. You'll get your civil war. Maybe not this year, maybe not next, but it'll happen. Janine, on my comments about marketing with terror, and this comes back from a show we did some time ago that uh, in which I made the case, and I think proved it, that climate change, global warming thing, they're going to use the COVID template to sell that better. Because the first time they tried it, they had all sorts of problems with the scam. The, the, the catastrophe was too far out. They didn't personalize enough. The stakes weren't high enough. 
the time frame was all wrong. There was no villain. There was no clear villain. There was no clear hero. So from a screenwriting perspective, it utterly failed. Whereas the COVID flu thing, which was the same, they had the same end goals. Your freedom is the problem. Get people to think of their freedom as an imposition on others. Get people to think of uh, their human rights as selfish. Get them to accept things that, uh, that are blatantly not true, but the party forces them to. And so we made that case. And I used the phrase marketing with terror. It's the same thing. And Bill Gates is going to do the same thing when he tries to get people to, to eat fake meat, this plastic meat stuff, which is God awful for you. And I know we've got vegan listeners and I, I know about my vegan listeners and particularly my vegan listener in Texas and I love you, but that stuff is like 450 steps of processing. That's not food. Once upon a time, it was food. It's not now. They're going to try the marketing with terror there and they're going to try the COVID approach too. the, uh, the behavioral kill shoot, Janine writes. Marketing with terror, excellent points in both hours of the show. They brought to mind how much I tried to get generations younger than mine to watch Scrooged. The opening when Bill Murray's character runs his ad for the Christmas show, it shows the horror and speaks in frightful tones about acid rain, drug addiction, international terrorism, freeway killers. Maybe Obama's actually consulting with Bill Murray. Fear isn't new and it works. Got George H.W. Bush, establishment member in the White House. Yeah, and, and Janine, there's this book. And it tells us 365 different times, let not thy heart be troubled. Do not fear for what can worry by you. Does not our father in heaven who cares for the uh, lilies in the field care more for you? He closed them and the sparrows in the sky. And he, and he cares for them. How much more does he care for you made in his image? And that's, to me, this is the fact of the spiritual war. The less afraid we are, the less effective it is for us. The more grounded we are in the fact that we stand in victory. Man, that freaks the demons out. It just freaks people out. And demonic forces, when they know they can't shift you, it, it freaks them out. I can remember the first bribe I was offered in Washington, D.C. And when I just called it out, I just called it out. All right. So you're bribing me. <gasps> no. Oh, no. Oh, gosh, no. Oh, no. No, but you just said, you just said two years from now, you give me a job worth, uh, you know, three or four million dollars. And, and you know that I just said, you don't get to have this contract with the committee. That happened last week. I said, you don't get to have this contract. This week, you're offering me a job for three or four million bucks. So this is like a bribe. Oh my gosh. Oh no. 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 All right. So if I don't give you the contract ever, I still have the job? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, maybe. They don't like it. Paul. From Port Orchard, separate country of Washington. I don't understand why this comparison isn't being made. This is, this is really good. Uh, remember the story about hotels being forced to take in people who are homeless in, in the separate country of California, Los Angeles, I think specifically. Remember that? So he provides a link to that. And then shelter coordinator claims Martha Vineyard has no... <laughs> No housing for migrants by which Fox News, or pardon me, Washington Examiner means illegal immigrants. <laughs> 
that's a great comparison. Oh, and incidentally, just so everybody knows, when the separate country of California says that hotels can be forced to take homeless people in, they mean you. They mean you. Well, I don't own a hotel. What, you think hotels have something to do with it? See, this is a shot across the private property bow. Property uh, bow. They've already done that. In the separate country of Washington, they seized people's homes. You don't get to charge rent. Well, that's like seizing my house. Yeah, so? And your point is what? If they can do it to hotels, private property, they can do it to you. You think the cottages they're letting you build are not going to be, hey, is, that, is anyone staying in your cottage? No, not at the moment. Our daughter's going to use it when she comes back from college. Oh, well, meet your, new, uh, meet, meet your new tenants. They'll be staying for free. And if you doubt me, I can tell you about the time I sat in Washington, D.C. and learned about something called um, the Fair Housing Occupancy Act, which would allow community uh, organizing groups to go to bankruptcy judges and say, hey, you know these houses that banks own, but no one's living in because they've been foreclosed. We're going to go ahead and have, uh, and have people live there. That was a bill. They wanted to pass that, which would allow people to seize houses. Mark, <clears throat> hello, Todd. It's 1230 a.m. and the spirit is not letting me sleep. So I must share this with you. I beg your forgiveness. I get confused when you talk about God. You talk about the Trinity, yet you separate them as different. And it's frustrating to where I want to find another podcast. I don't want to be tough. You try so hard and I have to respect that. So I need to share this with you. This is what the spirit is telling me. First, I don't agree with the, team, the term Trinity. It's a word that Catholics use to describe God. I do not agree with anything Catholics teach. For instance, the Bible says, do not call any man father. It also tells us not to bow to any graven image. And most importantly, go before Jesus to repent of sins and nothing about moving beads in your hand, praying to Mother Mary. I believe in God, the spirit and God, the flesh. If God is all spirit, then it makes sense that the Holy Spirit is all God and Jesus um, in the flesh is all God and spirit. In Roman times, they believed in a whole mess of gods. These gods had children called demigods. How do you explain that uh, to those who have such beliefs to where it all makes sense? Um, let me just stop there for a second uh, with, with the comments, Mark. The Catholics also teach that the Lord Jesus died for our sins was buried, rose on the third day, ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Um, they teach that he uh, taught that we should make disciples. So I don't think that you, I don't, I, I'm, I don't mean to disagree with what you think. I mean, you think what you think, but you're disqualifying everything the Catholic Church says by way of some other things it says. And I'll get to the Trinity remark in just a second because my reading of the Bible is very clear. In Genesis, the spirit moved across the water. There was God, there was the spirit, the spirit moved across the water. In John, we learn that in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. And then of course, the Lord Jesus, uh, before going back to heaven, said, I'm gonna leave behind a helper. He described the Holy Spirit. And then of course, the Holy Spirit came in the form of tongues and the apostles suddenly could speak all these different languages. And we had this three to 5,000 people baptized in one day. And then they began to go to church. So I disagree with you that the Trinity is extra biblical. But right here, I have, I have a concern. You say that God was born of the flesh and had all the power of himself. Mm. 
Brother, God was not born of the flesh. The flesh didn't exist. He was, he is, and always will be. And then he created everything. And you're right, there's only one God. His name is Jesus, and he's adopted us into his family. We are his children, like Israel. He is also our brother, like Israel. He brought them out of Egypt. Now, it's true that the Bible says that all things were done for the Lord Jesus. And it's also true that the Lord Jesus prayed to the Father. In fact, the Lord Jesus went so far as to say he could do nothing apart from the Father. In fact, he said, I don't do anything the Father doesn't tell me to do. He said that in describing a series of witnesses to who he was to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So there's a lot here that I think I disagree with you on. My biggest concern is that phrase, God was born of the flesh. Because in fact, the Lord Jesus makes a clear separation between the flesh and the spirit and to be born again, to bring the Holy Spirit into the body. That God, the father, and the Lord Jesus would make a home in us. And that the spirit would move into us. So I think I disagree with you on some of this, brother. And I appreciate you know, appreciate you listening to the podcast, even though it apparently annoys you sometimes. Um, Tracy, Todd, I want to be, I don't want to be long-winded, so I'll do my best to keep it short. Ha. Oh, she had food addiction too, like I used to have. I did the two rounds at Mickey D's. <laughs> did you do the same thing where you hid the food? You hid it beside you? Like the not the food, but the bags. I did that. Shamefully, my way home in small groups, yikes, it was a long way home. I swear I might have done it three times. <laughs> First in Graham, then Sumner, and finally Auburn. Oh, scary. But I laughed and you stated in your cast today. Here's my damn double whammy for you, brother. Ready? I signed up for soda weight loss. Yay, awesome. Bought my bone frogs today. Now, in all fairness, I don't drink coffee, so I buy it for those I love, which reminds me, please give Mr. Tim Cruikshank an idea. A Christmas pack. Three packs of 12-ounce light, dark, and medium for 50 bucks. Bam, corporate Christmas present done. I'm just saying, love you, brother. P.S. Auburn Green River Basin is infested with those who refuse to work and get riverfront RV camping for free, while King County officials do nothing except spend our tax dollars. Can't wait until God says it's okay to leave the separate country of Washington right on girl on the wrong coast. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Appreciate you, and uh, and appreciate and recognize the nickname. I know you've been there a long time. Wrap things up here with Tom from Ellensburg in the separate country of Washington. Todd, you want to grow the show? Todd, I love you, but today's show made me want to cry. Yes, you have great ideas, but listening to you sometimes is like the coach, um, is, is like the joke of a coach that has a great halftime speech and then, um, then the door to the field is locked. Where is the tea party? Where is the third party? Where is the list of companies that eschew woke and want to start uh, the parallel economy? Use your power and vast influence to let us all help. Publish and talk about all non-woke um, alternatives, not just your sponsors. I would love to have a list of woke companies that we should all avoid. If you made such a list, it would be something all your listeners could get behind. Many would share your list and share your show. Secondly, where is the tea party? All us patriots are putting our eggs in the Trump basket, but he's not the only, but is he the only one? Where will America be if they finally get to Trump? We all know that Republicans are worthless and feckless, but where is our alternative? Use your power and your influence to make a woke list get generated. Talk about it and your listeners will share it with their friends. You have great ideas, 
what needs to be done. But my dad always says, the stream that blows the whistle never turns the wheel. Please use your resources and influence to help make the needed changes. Keep up the good work, brother. Tom in Ellensburg. My brother, thank you for the note. And thank you for listening so, so exactly to the cast. And let me share something, uh, 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 just uh, one big concern here. I don't have any power, brother. I, I have nothing. I'm a clay pot. What I have, God, God gave me to steward. I have no influence. I don't have any. Any influence I have is because the Lord channels it through me. I am a clay pot. I have no influence. And in terms of getting things done like this, the focus of this show for me is, first of all, the grounding in truth. Secondly, the screening of candidates. The Tea Party for me is this, Brother Tom. It is, number one, what does a candidate think of the Lord Jesus? What is Jesus to the candidate? Number two, how do they live that out in their daily life? What is the evidence that they abide in Christ? Number three, what is their experience in changing things? Number four, are they willing to call out the corruption of the party? It starts with candidate screening. Then it starts with finding the candidates. Brother, I don't know a lot of people. You might. It finds with filling those local offices. We've talked about this 10 years ago when I started the show, the radio show, I got taken to task for talking too much about local on the local radio show. And I used to say, if you want your country back, take back your states. You want your states back, take back your counties. Want your counties, take back your cities. Now I say, you want your country back, take back your zoning boards. Start by the ground up because that's what the bad guys have done. But also this, brother, we wouldn't be where we're at if people like me weren't utter failures at discipling their family. I utterly failed at that. If we had discipled our families and taught the word of God and practiced the word of God at home and abided in Christ and taught it and insisted upon teaching it to our families and lived that way and raised our kids in Christian households, in Christian neighborhoods, in Christian schools, in a Christian economy, we wouldn't have these issues. Not the degree that we do now. We'd always have some because we're broken people. We all have sin problems. So to me, that's, that's, I mean, it's not a tea party because it's bigger. It's about eternity. But if you do those things, you get the greatest consolation prize in history, which is the resurgence of the United States of America. I, I can't screen every candidate. I can't get to know every candidate, but you can. God has given us a podcast that's in the top one half of 1% of, of downloads uh, worldwide. That means if every member of this audience undertook the screening methodology that we're talking about here, which is a biblical screening methodology, elect representatives who would qualify to be church elders, with the exception of just men, that would qualify to be church elders, you could do that. And in terms of the list, let me reverse this for you, Tom, because that's a good idea. Let me reverse it this way. Brother, who do you buy from? Look, all the big companies are woke. All of them are lost. All of them, all of them serve something other than the Lord. All of them. Okay, so there's a Chick-fil-A and there's a uh, Hobby Lobby. Okay, there's Mike Lindell. Okay. I know where I buy my produce. I know the company. It's employee-owned. The money stays in my community. There's nothing woke there. They wouldn't ever hear of woke. I have gone and selected my doctors. They're all Christian. 
Every doctor I have, and I don't have a general practitioner. I am my own health general contractor. They all worship the Lord Jesus. I have a coach. She and her husband worship the Lord Jesus. She is a discipled woman. He is a discipled man. I buy from businesses that are my friend's businesses. Because to the degree that I can, I do business with people who I know. I know their character. Now, certainly, I don't have any friends who own airlines or, or, or railroads. And in those cases where those things must come to us, we do our very best to avoid those things. And when we buy from Amazon, I regret it. But my friends also don't elect, own electronics companies. But I would say this, brother, start by getting to know the people in your community. Like Mr. Rogers used to say, these are the people in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood, in our neighborhood. That's my suggestion. And in terms of putting together a list of woke companies, you should do it. Get your friends together and do it. Right now, the Lord has me creating two and a half hours of podcast content per day, which is about two and a half hours of show prep. And then about two and a half hours of formatting it and getting it ready to go and trying to run the business and meet with the team and meet with my family and carry out my discipleship responsibilities. So it's a great idea. And I think it's one that you could carry out. And lastly, brother, and I just beg you this. I just beg you, please, 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 please don't ever think that I have power or that you have power. We have what the Lord Jesus grants us to steward. That's all we have. And folks who don't believe it, wait till the Lord takes it. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. It's not ours. Appreciate everybody listening to the podcast, writing in. This is the Todd Herman Show. As always, please go be well, be strong, be kind, abide. And let's also practice that gratitude thing. Part of abiding is being grateful for being able to abide every day in the Lord.